Welcome back. Welcome back to another amazing episode of the Elite Seller Show. And today's guest is the one and only Amy Weiss from Amazing at Home. And today's topic that we're going to be talking about is Q4 strategies rolling in to the holiday season. So just to give you a little bio about Amy Weiss, she is a former Air Force veteran, champion weightlifter. Uh, she's done a lot of competitive sports, and she is an absolute wizard when it comes to launching products, PPC strategies, and external traffic. With that being said, Amy is going to be talking about the best campaign strategies moving forward into Q4. So I'll let Amy take it off here. From here, what would you say are the foundational rules for setting up good PPC strategies? Well, before we get into the rules, Josh, I just want to thank you for having me. Um, you know, I I love talking about everything from from a marketing standpoint. So PPC, listing optimization, all that stuff. But the reason that I chose the topic of PPC today is because Amazon's costs for PPC have been rising incredibly. Um, I was just on a client call last night and my client was showing me his PPC costs uh, like four months earlier from his last restock, right? And his average cost per click was around like a dollar, a dollar 20. And now his average cost per click is between three and $8. And I'm seeing this across the board in so many categories. So Amazon kind of knows that they can charge whatever they want for PPC. <laughs> and we're, we're kind of at their mercy. And so a lot of people's strategies that worked before for PPC are just not going to work that well anymore. So uh, that's why I wanted to take the time to talk to people about how to manage rising PPC costs. And as we all know, during Q4, these, these rules that we're going to go over today and these um, the, the top five reasons why your PPC costs are so high, um, these are rules and strategies that are going to work across the board, whether we're in Q4 or not. So um, they're, they're going to help you in general. But the reason we want to get on top of them right now is because during Q4, PPC goes up. So it's already rising, but during Q4, it's worse. And we have storage fees and all kinds of other stuff. So let's get this stuff under control. Let's take a look at our strategies and let's get moving so that we can have the most profitable Q4 possible. Yeah. Perfect. What do you normally see as the dramatic increase in PPC cost from the rest of the year versus Q4? Like how much of a percentage increase are we talking about? Uh, I think it really varies by category um, because, you know, certain like more giftable products and more seasonal products um, are going to be at higher costs. Um, but in general, all of your costs are raising up to 20% because you're, you're paying uh, much higher storage fees. You're paying storage fees by the month. And then, you know, you do have higher cost per click, especially for those kind of seasonal or gifting type of keywords, uh, because there's just more people competing for them. And then in general, PPC costs are, are rising, as we talked about. So so did you want to get into those those uh, rules that we talked about earlier? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot rules. of people are really interested in it. <laughs> so I have two rules. Um, and these rules are for for advertising in general, um, advertising rules in general. Um, so I'm gonna bring up my notes here so that I can make sure that I'm articulating them the right way here. So my two rules are the foundation for reducing your advertising cost. 
The first rule, and these rules apply to everything, like I said, everything you do in advertising and marketing. Um, number one, your rule number one is to know your product and know how the customer searches for your product. A lot of times people advertise for so many keywords across the board and that spend adds up. But if you really know what your most important and most relevant keywords are, your page ones is what I call them. Um, if you know what your page ones are and you know where the customer goes to find your product and where they convert, and you really focus your PPC strategies around those keywords, you're going to succeed and you're going to reduce your overall spend and increase your overall conversions. So really number rule number one is to know your page ones. Know what keywords you really want to focus in on and really focus in on those. And then the second rule is that really look at your offer, right? Because keywords are expensive, whether they're your page one keywords or whether you're going, trying to go a little bit broader and do some keyword research. Um, keywords are really expensive. So you need to make sure that your offer is converting. So look on those page ones and look at your offer compared to your competition and make sure that you're going to convert. I can't tell you how many people just launch a product and they don't put much thought into converting the customer and how they look on the page compared to their competitors. And they just start PPC campaigns and they go, I don't have any sales. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. And they're just blowing your budget out of the water. So the it's process. really important to, exactly, exactly. You don't want to pay for keywords that, that don't convert. I mean, whenever I, I teach PPC in my mastermind group, like I love the, uh, I love the picture of Jerry Maguire where he's like, show me the money. That's what I have that picture on all my PPC training, because I don't want you paying for clicks, whether it's on Amazon or Facebook or Google. Yes. You're going to pay for some clicks that don't convert. But why blindly pay for clicks, right? Like know what your strategy is, know your page once, and then know that your offer is going to convert. And if it's not converting, you need to go back and look at your offer and see what's wrong. So that's it. Those are my two my two foundational rules of, uh, of advertising. Yeah, make sure that you guys know your page, page one keywords, at least. Know your audience, know your product, know how you're going to compete with those uh, the other sellers on the marketplace, and know how to actually get the conversions that you're looking for instead of just lighting your cash on fire. There's other ways to actually do that, hence going to Prosper or the casino or anything like that. But uh, let's, let's get <laughs> just, into that. Let's <laughs> just, just send it to us, right? Like, if you're just going to burn money, like, hey, we'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, spend, you, it, you, spend it on a coaching call. <laughs> yeah, spend it on a coaching call and actually find ways to actually save money for yourself. So now let's talk about your top five reasons why your ACOS is, in, 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 in my analysis, too damn high. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is one of the pain points for most Amazon sellers. You're like, man, my ACOS is out of control. And, you know, it's, it's also a pain point for people trying to sell their businesses you know, I work with a lot of people trying to sell their businesses and I work with some of the aggregators and stuff. And the thing is, when they're looking to buy a business, they, they're often seeing PPC costs that are way too high. And that really cuts into your net profit margin. So when you go to sell your business, you, you know, you kind of have to then backtrack and go, OK, I got to figure this out. So there's an even better reason to figure out why your A cost is too high right now. And so we're going to start with these five rules. Our first our first reason that your A cost is too high is that you don't have an advertising strategy. I can't tell you how many people have come to me and they're like, Amy, my PPC is out of control. It's just spending so much money. 
And I look at their keywords and I see that they're either just advertising for so many keywords that aren't relevant. Remember, we just talked about that in the rules, but they're also not really advertising with any kind of strategy in mind. Like, are you trying to rank? Are you trying to get sales? Are you trying to be more profitable? Have a goal in mind and develop your strategy. You know, there's all different types of ad placements that you can have on and off of Amazon. Develop a strategy to reach that goal and create your campaigns with that in mind. The same campaigns that you created during launch might not fit your goals now, you know, six months later or during a reorder. So you really need to take a look at your strategy and make sure that your campaigns are uh, aligned with that. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump in real quick. Obviously there's a lot to unpack with just that first rule. And I think the one most important strategy that you touched on is obviously having a different PPC strategy for your launch versus your sustain phase versus your second order versus your relaunch. What would you say is the suggested strategy for each one of those and how many target keywords should somebody go after and what type of campaign should they actually structure when they actually do those, uh, when they do that initial launch, relaunch, uh, stabilization phase, et cetera? Well, you were asking loading questions, loaded questions, my friend. (laughs) We could go into entire like hour long things for each uh, training for each one of those things. But I mean, let's just look at at relaunch as an example, right? So first of all, what I want you to do when you're relaunching a product, so let's say that you you ran out of stock, which this is happening to all of us right now because of all the um, all the logistics issues that we're having. So we we just ran out of stock and now we're ready to relaunch a product. Okay. So number one, I want you to revisit the rules we talked about at the beginning. What is your page once? What are those keywords that you're trying to rank for? And then our second rule, revisit your offer. Make sure your offer still looks good on those page ones. And then what is your plan to get back to those page ones? You've probably lost some ranking during that time. You may not be able to find your listing in organic search, which means you're going to have to create some campaigns to get to the top of page one for that. So Usually, uh, I recommend that people have what are called ranking campaigns. So you really, you pick those page one keywords and you create ads, different types of ads to stand out on on your page ones, right? So, and I think a big mistake that um, a lot of registered brands use is they create regular sponsored product campaigns and they compete in the same buckets with everyone else. But if you're a registered brand, you can literally compete. Like for example, product targeting. Product targeting campaigns are super expensive if you're competing with everybody else. But if you're a registered brand, you can create brand display ads and be right in your competitor's buy box instead of having to scroll down and find your ad like amongst the 35 pages of other competitors. So definitely take a look at your page ones and the placements that you can get either as a registered brand or not as a registered brand, right? And develop your strategy based on that. Don't go so broad that you have too many. And we're going to get into some of these additional things like putting too many keywords in one campaign and everything like that. But um, but really just revisit those rules and have that strategy in mind if, for example, you're, you're um, relaunching an out-of-stock product. 
Perfect. Perfect. That's a, that's a definite good answer right there. And what about optimizing these campaigns? Because this seems to be a challenge for a lot of people to actually structure their campaigns in the right way and actually go through, edit them, make sure that their, their bid cost is not too high, make sure that they're actually converting. What, what are your thoughts on that? So that's actually um, the second biggest reason why your A cost is too high is that you're not optimizing your campaigns. Often I'll see people get scared off by spend so they'll, they'll say, oh my gosh, this campaign is spending so much money and the ACoS is crazy and they'll just turn it off and then they'll start up new campaigns and it's like, what are you doing? You have data there. It's beautiful. Let's take that data. And like, you know, I love Joshua to think of my uh, PPC campaigns as a roulette, as a game of roulette, right? So you think of, you know, if you've ever played roulette, they have all the numbers on the board, right? And you're placing your bets on all the numbers and then they spin the wheel and you're hoping that, you know, you're, that the ball lands on wherever you placed your bits, right? So PPC is very much similar. You're basically standing around a big roulette table full of keywords and everybody's bidding on those keywords, right? And you're hoping that your customer lands on one of those keywords and makes a buying decision with you. So when you're optimizing your campaigns, you're not going to, if you were playing this game of roulette, you're not going to just keep betting on red if every time the ball's hitting black, right? You're not going to just keep spending. And optimization works the same. So what you need to do is, first of all, I love to just sort by your spend. So sort by spend. You can sort by all those columns in your campaign manager. You can customize your columns and add all the columns there. So you can see your cost per click. You can see your um, your spend. You can look at your A cost. You can look at um, the number of clicks, the number of impressions that you're getting for a keyword. So bring up all of that data and then sort by your spend. And then look at what keywords are running away with your budget and lower those keywords a little bit at a time. If they're running away with budget, don't turn them off, lower your bid. Um, so the second thing that you can do is sort by your A cost because if you have an A cost, that means that you had a sale. So that'll help you if you sort by A cost and you'll look at what keywords need more money put on them, a higher bid, and which ones need to be reduced. So if you have a keyword with an A cost of like 2%, well, go on Amazon and check your placement for that ad. So if we're bidding on the keyword that's super relevant to us, like I'm holding up this blue water bottle with a straw right now, right? Um, if I'm bidding on the phrase match, blue water bottle with, with straw, and this is super relevant to this product, right? And my A cost is 2%. All right. So we had a little technical hiccup, but we are back. And Amy was mid-sentence. She was talking about uh, A cost on a blue water bottle. It was being around 2%, diagnosing that, uh, obviously sorting by A cost, and then coming back to that. So Amy, I'll let you continue on that. All right. Cool. Um, so basically, you want to check your placement. And if my placement is really good, I can actually get away with lowering the bid slightly and still maintaining my placement as long as I'm converting. So definitely don't just adjust your bids blindly. Really look at your bids over time, right? Not just the last two days, sort your date range, look at your bids over time, and then make sure that um, you check your placement. And if, you're, if your placement is good, then you can leave your bid or slightly lower your bid. And if, you're, if you can't find your ad for that very relevant blue water bottle keyword, but you've, you've converted, you may want to raise your bid and see if you can't get top of search placement 
and continue to convert. But at the same time, that's going to lower your A cost. So, um, well, you're going to stay within a reasonable A cost, but you might get more sales from that. So your second step to optimizing your campaign is to sort by your A cost and do those. And then don't forget to consider your placement and your relevancy when adjusting your bids. And then make sure this last step, a lot of people forget about, optimize your listings for relevancy. If I'm converting like crazy for the keyword blue water bottle with straw, right? And it's nowhere in my listing, PPC works off of relevancy. I get better placement for keywords that my listing is indexed for. So I want to make sure that if I discover some new keyword that uh, is going really, really well, or a new keyword that I want to rank for, I want to make sure that my listing is written. So either I'll put that keyword in the back end, or I'll add that keyword into a bullet point, something like that. But I want to make sure that my listing is relevant for those really, really. Now, this is not to, to keyword stuff. I don't need you to keyword stuff every, every keyword there. But if you have a keyword that's doing very, very well for you, definitely check your listing for relevancy. Because if you optimize for that keyword, um, you're definitely going to do even better. You're going to get better placement and you're going to get higher conversions then. Uh, it sounds like this is instead of just being a PPC strategy, this is an overall listing strategy as well, because obviously if they're getting a really good sale on a particular keyword and their conversion is really low, but it's not actually listed in their listing, there's ways to actually, they can just edit, they can optimize their listing a little bit better. So it can be hyper efficient and actually continue to get those sales, bring down the cost and increase in conversion. So that's actually a really beautiful takeaway that you brought right there. And then I would just like to ask you, what are your thoughts on targeting techniques? Do you have a unique strategy for that? Or is it just uh, the, the shotgun approach or are we doing it as a sniper rifle? Well, you know, everybody, Joshua's cheating because he has my, he has my slides in my notes. So he knows that targeting techniques are the number three reason that your ACOS is too high. <laughs> so uh, I was reviewing someone's PPC, a client's PPC the other day, and I saw that they had only exact matches targeted in their campaigns. So the problem, and a lot of people do this, a lot of people and a lot of um, techniques taught across the board say, just create exact match campaigns. Why reinvent the wheel? You can reverse search your competitors and only create exact match campaigns. Well, guess what? If, if the only thing I do is exact match and I'm back to this water bottle, right? I'm here, I'm, I'm running exact matches for water bottle. Well, guess what? If I don't have blue water bottle in there and somebody's looking for a blue water bottle and I'm only and I'm only targeting the exact match water bottle, well, guess what? My ad isn't going to show up. So here my competitors can take me out because they are using phrase and broad match and not just exact match and they can take me out because they're going to capture all those searches that my ads aren't even shown for. The other problem with only targeting exact matches is that you're not getting any additional keywords. So you can't go to your search terms report, like all of us, we pull our search terms report and we go, oh my gosh, the customer is typing in blue water bottle every single time. And that's how I'm getting the sale on this freeze match. You're not gonna get that. In the customer search term column, you're just gonna get water bottle because you're doing an exact match. 
So you're not getting any good data. You might be getting conversions. The other reason to not use just exact matches is because sometimes a phrase or even a broad match will convert better and at a lower A cost than an exact match. And you won't know that until you run both match types and compare them. So I I really think only targeting exact matches is a huge mistake. And I love it though, when my competitors do that, because it's really easy to take them out because my ads can show everywhere and, um, and for, for different searches that their ads do not. So um, I love, I love uh, it when my competitors only use exact matches, but not so much for our sellers that we're trying to help out there. So if someone's telling you to only use exact match campaigns, I want you to challenge them with that. Ask them like, well, wait, how am I going to get data? And what if the customer searches for something that isn't that exact match? My ads aren't going to show. That's a problem. So right. that- that's, that's under the assumption that the end user is just being very robotic and everybody searches the exact same way. And we know that's not the case because spelling and uh, grammatical errors happen all the time. Now, I, w- I want to ask you a question. It's a little off the beaten path and I'm not looking at your cheat sheet, I swear. Uh, when to use when would you suggest using phrase broad and exact match in a campaign? Is it based off of the keyword, whether it's long tail, short tail? Is it based off of search volume? Is it based off of relevancy? Because I think that's more of a, uh, a specific uh, approach to actually narrowing this down and getting people kind of, uh, the results that they could potentially see benefit from in a very short time frame. So um, that's a really good question. I do it based on my strategy. So during phase one of my launch, so during phase one, when I've just written my listing and it hasn't indexed yet, I use phrase and exact match instead of broad and auto campaigns. Because one of the big mistakes I see people make is though their listing hasn't indexed yet. It hasn't gotten many page visits. So it's basically only indexed for the title and they'll start an auto campaign. And if your listing is an index, it's going to pull whatever keywords from your title that have indexed so far. And so you're gonna get these broad match uh, ads showing all across Amazon and they're not gonna be very relevant. So in order to make sure that my listing is indexed first, I always do phrase and exact match so that I'm telling Amazon, no, I want you to show my ad for these phrases only and these exact matches only. And I always run both phrase and exact for the same keywords so that I can um, see which ones uh, convert better at a lower cost. Because sometimes it's going to be exact and sometimes it's going to be phrase. When I bring in broad is after my listing has indexed really well and everything is you know going really well, then I bring in my auto campaigns and my broad match campaigns so that I can do even more detailed keyword research. But there's a huge mistake in creating broad match campaigns from the very beginning before your listing is indexed and before um, you're already showing up on your page ones organically for where you want to be. You can actually screw up your campaigns. You can screw up your data by doing that. So for me, it's all about timing and it's all about the strategy behind the campaign. Hopefully that makes sense. No, that definitely makes perfect sense right there. Is there anything that you would uh, suggest when it comes to uh, let's say uh, doing a relaunch. Is there any specific strategy when it comes to PPC? When it does a re- when you're doing a relaunch, are you doing like phrase and broad at that point, or is it still phrase and exact? Are you following the phase one, phase two step step approach? Um, well, I don't use the same phases for a relaunch. For a relaunch, I just create a ranking campaign. Um, so I go back to my page ones that I want to be on. I'll start up my old campaigns because those are those at that point my old campaigns. 
um, that are paused, like during the product being out of stock, those are going to ramp right back up. But I also will create a separate ranking campaign for the relaunch that is those phrase and exact matches that we talked about to specifically get in front of those page ones again, because I only want a few keywords in that campaign so that I'm not um, spreading the budget across a bunch of keywords. I want to really focus on those um, keywords where I want page one, um, where I want top of search so that I can quickly rank and quickly get back to the top of my page ones that I want to be on. And I just like, I stay laser focused on that during a relaunch. I'm like, okay, where am I organically and how can I improve my organic placement? And then I also mix it up with um, Google search ads because those rank me really, really well. I use a two-step URL with Google search ads and um, and that is really, really good. But that's also a whole nother, uh, <laughs> we could do just a whole session just on that. But um, but yeah, I think that it's really important to focus on your page ones. I go back to my rules every time. What's my offer? What are my page ones? And what am I doing to get there or get back there? Yeah, and this is, this is honestly extremely important information for people that are listening or even watching this right now. And it's knowing what kind of strategy to do at what phase of your product launch or your product relaunch. And then also keeping yourself organized because I can tell you it, it's a pain in the butt to actually have to go and find your old campaigns and see if this data is relevant or not, or if you're still actually uh, on page one for these particular keywords. So how would you go about organizing and structuring all these campaigns? Because you're a very meticulous person. <laughs> how do you know that about me? <laughs> I just have this feeling. I just have this feeling. You sent me a whole document that was organized and laid out. So I just have this, I have this, this quick notion in the back of my head. Yes, definitely. I, I am a very organized person. I was an instructor in the military for many years. So, uh, you know, everything that I do is in uh, reference to being able to teach it. So I just like naturally outline things and organize things in my brain and on paper. Um, so, you know, it's just how my brain works. But speaking of organizing things, um, you just brought up campaign organization, which is the top four reason that your ACOS is too high. So a lot of people do not have their campaigns organized in any way, shape, or form. And so we'll get on a coaching call together and I'll be like, hey, let's take a look at your PPC. And I'll be like, oh, what's going on here? You know, like, and, and they'll say, well, I, I think I have a video ad. Let me try to find it, right? Or I think I have this. Let me try to find this. And there's, there's no organization or naming structure. So you might have too many campaigns where you've got redundancy between your campaigns. So you really wanna be careful about that. It's, there's nothing wrong with bidding on the same keyword between two different campaigns, as long as the strategy inside of that campaign, you understand it, right? So um, make sure that you are renaming your campaigns in a way that you can understand what was the goal, what is the, the keyword, what is the campaign type, like the keyword strategy, like maybe you put like, it's a phrase campaign for ranking, or it's an exact match campaign for ongoing sales or converted keywords, right? Name it. You can go, if you already named your campaigns in a bad way, you can go into campaign settings and you can rename your campaigns at any time. So no excuse. <laughs> and then make sure that you, you can organize your campaigns into portfolios. And that's sometimes really, really helpful so that you can click on each of your portfolios and you can see the campaigns inside of them. And then you want to make sure that you're tracking your changes in between optimization sessions. So if you optimize your campaigns and then you forget like what you did to optimize them, it can be hard to optimize them again. You can go, okay, like, wait, what did I do with this bid? 
was this, what happened with this last time? Did I check the placement? Was I on page one? I don't even remember. I don't remember what I did. So make sure what I do in the beginning when I'm first optimizing like new campaigns and I'm getting into a routine, I'll get out a Google document and I'll screenshot. I have this tool that I love called Greenshot, G-R-E-E-N-S-H-O-T. And I will screenshot whatever I'm doing. I'll be like, okay, this campaign, this was the A cost. This is what things were, was going on. Um, and pros know how to do this simply by changing around their date range and stuff like that. But if you're new to optimizing your campaigns, it can be really helpful to just take those screenshots until you get used to optimizing and you can go, okay, I did this, I did this. Um, it might take longer in the beginning, but it's really going to help you remember, okay, when did I optimize last? What were the primary changes? What were some things that I noticed that I want to kind of keep track of some, some goals and some strategies. So I love doing that until I really kind of get a feel for my campaigns um, and then, you know, after that, I'm, I'm good to go. And I don't really have to look back at my little Google document, but um, it's helpful. And then make sure that you're also pulling your search term reports um, and tracking your performance between your campaigns. Remember how before we were talking about how sometimes a phrase match will convert at a lower ACoS and will convert higher than an exact match? Well, most people have exact match in certain campaigns, right? Or in certain ad groups. And then they have phrase match in another one, right? That's usually, that's the old way of kind of uh, that campaigns have been taught to be set up. And if you're not actually pulling your search term reports and looking at performance between your um, different campaigns for different keywords, you might not know that your phrase matches is um, doing better. And then you've got all this spend going on and both campaigns on the same keyword with different match types, and you don't even know what to optimize. So make sure that you're also pulling your search term reports. Um, just go into advertising and reports, pull those reports, bring them up in Excel, turn on your filters. And I love to, when I bring up that report in Excel, I go to my seven day orders column and I uncheck the zero because then I literally have a spreadsheet of converted keywords. And I can sort by ACoS and I can look and see, okay, where have I had sales, you know, and what is the lowest ACoS, where are my bleeding keywords? Um, yes, software does this for you. But in the beginning, I think, you know, that brings me to blindly using software. You don't want to blindly use software because software fix things, fixes things across the board. So in the beginning, you want to manually do your campaign so that you understand what's going on. And then once you're good, once you're like, yes, this campaign is performing how I want it to, I kind of, I know where my placement is. I'm happy with it. Now I'm just like basic optimization, then switch over to your software and do that basic optimization. This was actually a question I was going to ask you. I actually even wrote it down without even looking at your, uh, your spreadsheet. Uh, is why is PPC such a manual and laborious task when it comes to Amazon sellers or just agencies in general? And what do you see as the biggest failings of PPC software in general? Um, I think just that PPC software doesn't really have intelligence behind it, like human intelligence behind it. And um, buying is a psychological process. So, you know, software tends to kind of fix things across the board. And um, that's fine once you understand how your campaigns are performing. But in the beginning, it really is important. And that brings us to like, we don't need a million campaigns. Have a strategy, organize your campaigns. If you do these things, it's not going to take you as long to, um, to optimize your campaigns and really look at everything together. But the biggest flaw that I see other for, for PPC software, other than the fact that it doesn't 
that it, uh, excuse me, that it kind of fixes everything the same way, right? Without kind of taking into consideration your placement or the relevancy. It's just like, oh, okay, the A cost is too high. Oh, okay, this, you know, just lower the bit, right? Um, so other than that, the other big flaw that I see with software is that it can't help you um, with some of the best campaigns, which are your sponsored brand campaigns, um, your video ad campaigns. As of right now, some of these new campaigns, software is not set up to manage those. Um, so, you know, you're going to have to do those manually anyway. And um, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I'm hoping that software catches up with some of the new ad types. And as a result, I'm seeing that a lot of people who are registered brands are not using those types of campaigns and they're losing out. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame on software companies that they're not actually doing this. And it's a shame on big Amazon sellers that they're missing out on these fantastic advertising strategies that could just be helping them uh, reach new customers, reach new heights on page one or for particular keywords and actually uh, building a, a solid foundation. So now let's roll into all of this. Let's just roll this all out like a nice burrito and just take a nice, nice huge chunk out of it. Right. So we have this beautiful ad strategy that Amy was so kind to lay out with these four steps. And I think the final one, just to be the uh, the cherry on top for this delicious burrito, is talking about uh, is talking about external ad traffic. Right. What are your what are your thoughts on that? What kind of strategies do you use? How do you go about doing it? And what type of conversion rate are you actually looking for at the end of the day? Are you primarily focusing on Facebook, Pinterest? Are you using any like Twitch? Are you using uh, any other like messaging softwares out there? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, once again, you have added our next top five reason that your A cost is too high. And that's because you don't have an external traffic strategy. So I see so many sellers that only focus on Amazon PPC and, um, that's driving up your costs and it's not really helping you. I mean, you get so much ranking juice from Amazon's algorithm when you run external traffic. And so it's, it's really, really important to have some type of external traffic strategy. This can often be overwhelming for sellers, but I think if you just focus on one traffic channel at a time, like maybe once a quarter, you add a new external traffic channel. You know, I don't think that you asked about, you know, is it best to use um, Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram? It depends on the product. You really need to understand your market. You need to understand where your customer hangs out. Um, I, that's something that I often see is lacking in sellers is they just launch a product, but they don't know who it is that's buying that product and what that person cares about and where they hang out. They're not doing the market research. So really, um, number one, my favorite tra external traffic channel is Google search ads um, because from Amazon, 51% of Amazon's traffic is direct, meaning 51% of people shopping on Amazon go directly to amazon.com to look for products. But what about the other 49%? 49% are not coming from Amazon when they end up at Amazon to buy a product. So basically half of your traffic is coming from off of Amazon. What are you doing about it? Your competitors are doing something about it and they're crushing you. So if you ever wonder what your competitors are doing, I, that's the first thing that I do is I look and see what my competitor's web footprint looks like off of Amazon. And I try to emulate some of that, right? But one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite ad strategies is Google search ads. Why? Because they're cheap. My average cost per click is like 10 cents a click. And because 60% of Amazon's external traffic comes from search and who owns most of search? Google. <laughs> so if you're not running Google search ads to your Amazon listing, Amazon is a huge domain. It's a trusted domain. 
So that's why it's so cheap to run Google search ads to your Amazon listings. So that's one of my favorite strategies. It's nothing like Amazon PPC though. You can't, you can't run Google search ads and expect like, you know, overnight conversions. You can't even track those conversions that well. Um, because if you're running them to Amazon, you can't use a mediary. Like you can't use like a pixel find me or anything like that. Google doesn't like it. You can run them to your store and then look at the analytics there. Um, but in general, we've seen our, our, our ranking is so much better since we've been running Google search ads. Our, um, our conversions are so much higher because our ranking is better, because we're showing up for more searches, because we're indexing for more keywords. We do it with a two-step URL so that that way we're ranking for additional keywords. But Amazon's algorithm ranks you three to one for external sending external traffic over just Amazon PPC. So you're missing out. I can't, I just wish I could like shout it to the rooftops. You're missing out. Um, so, and then the second thing is when you're thinking about social media, I don't, I don't do any Facebook ads or anything like that. I do do social organic social media posts. So I do organic Pinterest, Pinterest pins are awesome. The Pinterest is now doing shopping. I mean, a Pinterest pin lasts what 1400 times longer than a Facebook post. So definitely, you know, and it shows up in Google search, which we just talked about Google. So definitely take advantage of Pinterest, um, take advantage of Instagram and Facebook, but you have all this organic posting that you can do. You don't necessarily have to run ads. And then when you find what organic posts are working really well for you, you can use some of those for your ad strategies, right? So you could do some videos on YouTube. YouTube is a huge referral site to Amazon. So run some YouTube videos, put some organic YouTube videos out there and then see which ones perform well and turn some of them into pre-roll ads. So there's a lot that you can do, but just take one traffic strategy at a time and learn it and, you know, just add it once at a time. And before you know it, you're really going to be doing great. The other thing is referral sites. Don't forget about referral sites. There's coupon sites, there's deal news, there's rebate sites all kinds of great referral sites, which can be a great form of external traffic. So um, definitely take advantage of that. And then last but not least for external traffic, don't forget about media opportunities and backlinks. So the more backlinks that you have, the bigger your web footprint, um, the better off you're going to be. So look at getting some a press release done, try to get featured in like a top 10, um, you know, like top 10 cat products, top 10, you know, whatever it is, but try to get featured in some of those because customers go to search and then they read those top 10s. And if your product is there, you're getting so much extra traffic there. So definitely, um, and then look up affiliates like Amazon affiliates, people that are posting things like hashtag Amazon deals. Um, you can find some of those people and they'll post for you and they already have uh, really great uh, traffic coming to them that's going to lead to your product. And sometimes they'll post for you for free. So definitely use all of those strategies, but don't get overwhelmed with external traffic. Just start small, start like, I love starting with Google and then growing from there. Yeah, that's, there's a lot to unpack with everything that you just said. And a lot of these strategies, I, I've definitely seen the benefit of them and I've seen the success and not so successful approaches to them. And one of the things that you talked about was backlinks. And this is something that Paul Barron mentioned on a previous episode was that uh, with his products, uniquely, he gets a ton of press release around his products, which actually 
uh, benefits him in the sale of his products on and off Amazon. And I uh, actually spoke with Sumner in regards to Pinterest ads. And the unique thing about Pinterest is that when we discussed, when we had that discussion, it was uh, how Pinterest is better for unique and truly differentiated products versus the blind copycat version of every product. And obviously there's an ad, there's an external ad traffic campaign for every type of product that you have out there. So if your product is very general, you might want to stick with Facebook or just Google. If it's truly unique, you can find those people on Pinterest. You can find those people on Instagram. You can find those people on blogs and you can really cater to them, obviously giving you a better buyer quality score at the end of the day when they actually go to purchase this product. And chances are they're not going to be prohibited with their ability to not leave a review if that's the case. You're actually going to get like full organic purchase. You don't even have to offer discounts that are super heavy on that. Um, to touch in a little bit about your history with Amazon. I want to ask you how your experience in the military and being a champion competitive weightlifter has helped you and benefited you as an Amazon seller. Well, I'm definitely not a champion competitive weightlifter. I um, am, I'm a hobbyist. So I do compete in um, CrossFit competitions, but not, I definitely don't call me a champion, please. Uh, I wish I was a champion. I, I definitely um, look at, I look up to many of the competitor, competitive weightlifters, but, uh, but I love to lift weights. It makes me feel like superwoman. Um, the first time that I was able to lift hundred pounds from the ground over my head, uh, was just like, just made me feel amazing. So, uh, it's something that I love to do. And, and, uh, yeah, I, I think my military experience and, um, you know, just being an athlete and being committed to, you know, working out every day of the week and taking care of my body and taking care of, you know, I'm also a very spiritual person and, you know, just try to really take care of my soul as well. And, um, you know, I set my goals and be focused on what I'm doing and not what other people are doing. I think um, that really contributes to um, to doing well in business because uh, you know you if you try to follow someone else's strategy or you try to follow someone else's um, definition of success, you're going to be disappointed every time. And so for me, it's been really really important to set my own goals and really look at what I'm trying to achieve for my life and keep my promises to myself. Um, and kind of go after that. As far as what I learned in the military, in the military, I learned that um, really how to not fear failure because, you know, in the military, everything kind of is set up for you to fail, especially in boot camp. You know, you're, you're set up to fail. Like you are, you con consistently fail and they just consistently break you down until you realize that you can push your, your limits. Like you never thought you could, if you just keep pushing and you don't think about it, you just execute. Um, and I'll never forget when I was in boot camp, um, I was deathly afraid of heights, like so afraid of heights. I was afraid of water. I had a kind of a water incident as a child and I was afraid of water and afraid of heights. Um, and at the end of boot camp, I uh, did an obstacle course where I like repelled down walls and climbed over water and did all these things. And I didn't think about it until after I got done with the obstacle course and I was like, wait a minute, I'm afraid of heights. Holy crap. I just did all of that without even thinking about it. And it's, it's so important, you know, and I had many times in the military where I was presented with really serious situations that would scare most people fighter. And sometimes they did scare people that I was serving with uh, fight or flight type of situations. And it's all comes down to your ability to push through, to ignore what might happen and just keep moving. And I think that that is 
something that is so hard as an entrepreneur because you're afraid you're by yourself you're afraid of failure you're afraid of success and um and i think you just have to be able to wake up every day and swallow your fear and push forward and um that's one of the big things that i try to help instill in my programs and in my clients is like hey if either you have to just swallow your fear every day and move forward or you should go get a job because that's what it takes. You know, that's what it takes. You can't be afraid and you have to believe in yourself and you have to just keep moving forward. And you have to look at failure as a stepping stone along the way and just step right over it and go, let's go get out of the way. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very much a fail forward mentality and obviously taking the emotional aspect out of it to allow yourself to go far beyond what you're actually capable of. And sometimes you might have to do that in business and sometimes you have to do that in life, but that allowed you to actually stretch your boundaries and see what you're truly capable of and know that, you know, these fears that I have, these irrational fears that I've suffered from, whether it's past trauma or current events, that I can overcome these if I just put forth the effort, you know? And that's beautiful how you said that, just kind of taking one step forward. It's almost, uh, I'm not too sure if you've ever read the book by Brian Tracy, uh, Brian Tracy, Eat That Frog where it's just taking a giant task and breaking it down into segmentable, digestible chunks, and then just going through that process. It's a wonderful book. If anybody's ever read it, um, you're more than welcome to uh, just get it on Amazon if somebody's selling that. But um, there, there's there's so much to unpack with your level of experience, not only in the military, but as a, as a weightlifter, as an inventor, as an Amazon seller, and even as a singer, like the ability to get in front of a crowd of people and to be able to just open your voice and let out a tune that takes a lot of courage and dedication to be able to like overcome, overcome fear in that moment. It's like, am I going to sound stupid? Am I going to miss the note? Am I going to like mess up on this lyric? But again, you know, to be able to actually do that will allow you to uh, supersede what you're capable of in, in life and in business. And Amy, I just want to personally thank you for being on our podcast. I want to thank you for your service in the military. You've been a fantastic guest. Next time, I definitely want to have you back on. We're going to talk strictly Google ad strategies, and we're just going to knock it out of the park. Maybe we can talk about some weightlifting strategies. Make sure that you tuck your elbows. Make sure that you don't uh, that you, your butt doesn't wink when you squat and everything like that. And uh, yeah, uh, all the links to Amy are going to be in the bio below. If you guys enjoyed this episode, head on over to EliteSeller.com, sign up for a 14-day free trial. Uh, You can pick any plan. Make sure you use the code JOSH15 at checkout, and I'll see you on the other side. Thanks, Josh.